you are tuned into the Podfathers podcast. I'm Noah Alvarez. I'm Jacob Fancha. And the date is August 10th. How are you doing today, Jacob? I'm doing really well. I recently got my driver's license, so I watch out, people. I probably don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Round of applause yeah. for Jacob. If you're a driver in the oh, Southern man. California area, please, please be careful. <laughs> Especially if you're in the Norwalk area. <clears throat> oh, no. And then I also, you know, been doing a lot of adulting. You know, I had to take care of some stuff at the bank today. Thankfully, you were waiting on me for that. And um, I can't complain. You know, I got a job. I'm employed. get to wake up with the roof over my head. So things are... Life is good. Yeah, life is very good. And we get to record this fantastic show. So... You know what is also is good? What? Burritos. And I have a pretty good burrito joke, all right? It's not going to be good because it's a burrito joke. Why did the man go on top of the taco joint? Taco shop, sorry. Okay, let me re- let me repeat that again. That was technical. <laughs> right, let's try that one more time. Why did the man climb to the top of the taco shop? I don't know, Noah. Tell me. Because the manager told him the burrito was on the house. <sighs> Didn't. Really, I'm gonna tell you, keep your day job because <laughs> you're no Jerry Seinfeld, but neither am I. Speaking of burritos, though, we had this conversation um, a little bit beforehand the show. And because I had recently at work, my boss bought me a, a breakfast burrito today, and I was mentioning how to Jacob that the burrito that we received obviously was a free burrito, so I'm not going to claim, but it did not have hash browns. And to me, when I go to you know a regular you know it, local to where I live, it's Troy's Burgers, Yellow Baskin, nice. stuff like that. They got they always the breakfast burritos always have hash browns in, it, and that's kind of like a staple part of to me at least a breakfast burrito and you were mentioning how you've never had a breakfast burrito um from tans burgers or that had the hash browns in it so it brought up the question do hash browns belong in breakfast burritos the new does pineapple belong on pizza question well i'm gonna answer both of those first pineapple absolutely does belong on pizza because Ooh. it's oh that's you just you aren't living life then and secondly it's i think i've always viewed hash browns in the mcdonald's light it mm-hmm. deserves to be either eaten on the side or you combine it with something, which isn't an issue. So I guess, yeah, the hash browns do belong in the burrito, but I've never personally tried it. I've always typically, you know, it's been chorizo and eggs, sausage, cut up a uh, little ham, ham, diced, diced ham, tomatoes, mm-hmm. and onion, and voila, you have yourself a pretty bitchin' breakfast burrito from all my experiences. I, I really can't complain. I, I feel like you can't. Honestly, I feel like you can't screw up breakfast burritos. True, you can't. And let, it's like pizza. You can't really screw up pizza. No, you can screw up pizza. I feel like you can. I've never had a You can pizza. definitely – well, we've ne- – because we're in an area that's – what if you had a pizza in Pennsylvania? I don't I, see – Well, what's wrong with Pennsylvania pizza? I just don't think it would be very good. you got to think regional. Think, think regional. I feel like New Mexico pizza wouldn't be that good. Okay. Would no you, offense would to you any. eat Would you eat tacos from a street cart in Pennsylvania? No, because answer right, that right. question. Okay, now we're getting the ball right. rolling. Okay. No, but pizza is not like a no a very you mean well, like there's Italians everywhere, you know? Wow. Okay, <laughs> go to Chicago. It's known for the deep dish pizza, right? right? And, and in New York, style. it's di- different it's styles different of pizza. Style. Exactly. But okay, that, that's I feel my like point. here I've never had a bad pizza yeah, here in California. We're on agreement there, buddy. But I feel other places, yeah, like I probably wouldn't want to try the pizza in. I'm going to stop picking on Pennsylvania. Say New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Say Utah. I just don't feel it would probably – think regional. I just don't think it would suit the issue. True. But that's not to say they don't have pizza chains. But right. you can still screw up pizza though. That's true. That's a very good point. Going back to the breakfast burrito topic, I, I don't think that you know the hash brown is so much necessary. But it definitely adds. It's just like a 
it's a huge additive to me. You mentioned that you like the salsa, and to me, it's like it's almost better than having the salsa because you're biting into the you know you bite into the burrito, and usually at first you just get like the tortilla that first bite, right? And the second bite, it's a little bit of egg, and then the set, the third bite, you're expecting the sausage or whatever meat you put in, whether it's chorizo or the ham or whatever, and then the next bite has some hash brown in it. Ooh, that's a game changer. You know what I'm saying? You, I think you have to experience it once in your life, and you know if you don't like it, you know it's everyone has their own, but Definitely, I recommend you try hash browns in a breakfast burrito once in your life. We shall do that soon, and I do love hash browns, so I think it will be a probably positive experience. Yeah. Well, moving on to some more serious topics, the college football, excuse me, the college basketball landscape has looks like it's going to be changing in the new future and looking to be changing in a kind of uh, a, a evolutionary step, something we've never seen done, be done before. On Wednesday, the NCAA Board of Commissioners passed a couple rule changes to college basketball that are mainly going to affect college basketball, and they affect many different aspects. First one, um, the one that we both think are in agreement that will kind of benefit players and college basketball players, is that they get to return to school. If a college basketball player gets invited to the NBA Combine and they go undrafted that year in the draft, they're allowed to return to school while on full scholarship still, and they still get to play another collegiate year, obviously, unless they're a senior then, you know, their graduation time is up. But I think this is hugely beneficial because a lot of players, I think they go, they pull themselves out of the college too early in hopes that they're ready for the NBA and hopes that they can showcase their talents to someone and someone will take a chance on them. But a lot of times, and you see it in every sport, a lot of times it doesn't happen. They go undrafted, they end up in the D League somewhere, sometimes they don't even make it that far and, it, and their career kind of, you know, goes to nothing. I agree. And I think it's most important, like, I, like we were talking off air, we can't, we can't sit here and pretend all these kids are Rhode Island's Rhode Island scholars. Some of these kids are they have a God-given natural talent, athletic ability, and they're going to use that, and rightfully so. Everyone should you should be able to pursue what you want. But I think it's important for these kids, and we've seen it a lot. A lot of kids second year in, they have they have a stellar sophomore season. They're projected to be you know to be a big lottery pick. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, and they fall flat, and it's a flash in the pan. The ability to go back to school could give them that extra year of experience that they need out on the court to be competitive on a professional level, or maybe they realize, hey, if I couldn't do it the first time, maybe the second go-around won't be what I want. Maybe I get my degree, and maybe exactly. my, my life that. takes a different path. And I think it's a very smart move for the NCAA, and I think for once we're seeing a decision that has the players in mind, directly the players in mind for the right. benefit of the players. This isn't... I mean, well, we'll discuss the money and yeah. all, but these players are directly being benefited by that, so I think it's a great job. Yeah, that rule change specifically was definitely a, a student-athlete-empowering rule, and we'll see if it transfers over to college football or college baseball and some of these other sports, obviously, with their you know professional sports. Um, some other rule changes maybe that are, are beneficial, not so much to the athlete, but presidents, university presidents and chancellors are now going to be held personally accountable for making sure that the athletic departments are – abiding by the rules and so basically a lot of this is in retaliation to the or in response to the october fbi probe and schools like louisville schools like kentucky huge basketball programs yes. were put under investigation under the fbi and so the ncaa and president mark emmerich definitely had to clean up their act and they had a whole coalition of uh, people that was headed by condoleezza rice that came up with these rule changes and so yeah the presidents and chancellors are now held accountable Another one that's uh, creating a lot of buzz is that elite prospects now at the collegiate or high school level, basketball prospects, remind you, are going to be able to 
speak with and hire agents and possibly even get endorsement deals with brands. And we had this a lengthy discussion before the show and how this could both be positive in some aspects, but also be abused for sure. And I want to hear your aspects of or your outtake on this new rule. Let's let's start with we'll start with the high school athletics before we move up to the collegiate athletics for the elites, because mm-hmm. those are both two worlds of their own. I think it's dangerous for these high school athletes to you put a 17, 18-year-old kid in issues and say he wants to pursue a sponsorship. School becomes second nature. And then we've seen it with other athletes. You don't, you know, you might not have the grades, but maybe you're right there, you know, 2.0, right where you need to be there so they can work around admissions. If you begin focusing and pursuing a uh, advertising or marketing, you're trying to market yourself, that school is going to fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want because they're student athletes. And I kind of feel a little uh, contradictory saying that because I've only said, oh, they're not really students. But you can't just disregard that. They have to go to some kind of class. And right. North Carolina's even gone so far as to never the whole fake classes thing. Like that's how these students need to be students to an extent, and high school students more so. They they need to focus on that. And they, and, they, and I think also more importantly too, smaller high school prospects. You and I were talking about that. Yes. They're going to suffer a lot because these if you're if you're marketing a kid. You're not going to go market the kid that's the local high yeah, school. Yeah, playing at a public school or yeah, whatever. No, you're going to go to the private Santa schools. Santa Springs or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. Not, that's not going to happen. And I think that that's you get the raw end of the deal because there are, there are going to be some scouts and recruits out there that are going to say, hey, this kid's good, but college is going to be like, no, they're they're not what we're looking for. This kid right. in Orange County who's going to a private school mm-hmm. with a lot more money, that's what we're looking for. This exactly. kid's going to bring in more butts in the seats than the kid up the street. Yeah, if you take a step, step back and dissect who's going to define these kids as elite – there's going to be definitely a lot of dilemma with that because the NCAA announced that they would partnership with the USA Basketball in defining which prospects at the college or high school level are considered elite. But elite is such a it's – a, it's a very – I can't think of the word right now. Ambiguous but it's a very, term. It's a very ambiguous term, and you and I both have different perceptions of elite. And for them to remain unbiased, and I feel like, a lot, like you said, a lot of these small schools, not only in college but in a lot of small school athletes – like you said, kids that are not going to these prestigious high school programs like Modern Day or like a Servite or like De La Salle here in California, these kids that are going to public schools that are, you know, dropping 30, 40 points a game, it's like, ah, oh, they're going to public school. We're not going to consider them elite. And then other thing, too, is, you know, the NCAA got, kind of got burned because both USA Basketball was kind of shocked. They, they had no uh, – There was no forewarning. There was no forewarning, yeah. exactly. The NCAA said, hey, we're going to do this. And then the USA Basketball turned around like, you are? Like, why don't you tell us about it, you know? So there's a little bit back and forth about it, and it seems kind of suspect. But moving on to the college level players. Oh, sorry, I, I was waiting. I thought you were gonna finish. Um, well, for the college level players, we were talking about this too, with their ability to pursue a merchandise or I keep on saying merchandise, pursue a uh, sponsorship. Sponsorship. Thank with you. Apparel or whatever brand. Yeah. It, does that compromise the NCAA's position? Because in a way, that'd be like that kid getting paid to play. Mm-hmm. And the NCAA is all about amateurism. We've seen them fight tooth and nail for that. We've seen infractions being handed handed down like candy for schools or kids that have violated right. being paid. Now all of a sudden, hey, I can pursue a sponsorship with Nike while I'm balling out for Oklahoma? Yeah. I mean, that to me, I'm not saying I have a problem with it. I think my, I guess more so is you got to think, how does the NCAA still define amateurism? And how, at this point now, how is this not going to act as kind of the the the, the fissure that's going to break open and mm-hmm. other college athletes are going to look at this 
from other sports and they're going to be, wait a second, this kid is being paid as he's playing. Right. College and basketball is kind of like the the test rat here in this one. And like you said, if it goes well for the first couple of years or if it doesn't go well, whatever, these kids, like you said, who are maybe getting paid or speaking to agents, the, the players in other sports, you know, specifically college football and basketball, the two, you know, uh, bigger collegiate sports, they're going to be a little bit upset. You know, they want their fair share too. So it's going to be a domino effect. But when do those dominoes fall? The only thing, another thing I'm concerned about as far as the uh, the collegiate players and and as far as chasing agents, the way I see it as a positive is um, I think a lot of these, where I think it benefits the students is that a lot of players maybe don't know the necessary steps to take to get to the pros or what they should do and, and as far as not so much marketing themselves, but kind of putting out tape or in what ways. I think agents will help sometimes with maturity-wise and like maybe decisions. Obviously, there's going to be agents that are just in it for the money, and they see that you know you're the number one prospect, and I kind of want to just follow you so I can get paid when you get to, get to the NBA and get that fat contract. But there should be a lot of agents too that are generally trying to help, and, and maybe it's not so much the agent himself, but the agent and his team that are going to help the student. Maybe because we a lot of times we see a lot of college players. You know, go through these immature things because there still are, like you said, 17, 18, 19 year old kids and they're making these dumb life choices. And hopefully maybe these agents can help clean up their act. And so there's not so much whether it's domestic violence or, you know, cop partying um, and, you know, whatever the case may be, because we've seen a lot of different cases in the past couple of years. I think the agent will kind of help these college players kind of get their act together and maybe grow up a little bit more in hopes to pursue something. Side well, not a side note, but I think this this I, I just made this connection. This this makes the landscape very very interesting, considering that gambling was legalized. Oh yeah, it's and huge. who's to say mm-hmm. this agent doesn't have his money on a certain kid? And uh. he, I mean, that's that's obviously much later down the line, and it, it would be right. worth worth this for it's us to sit thing, here and it's another thing to yeah, think about though. Yeah, discuss potentials or discuss. Uh, yeah, but it's I hadn't thought about that, and it's it's gonna like you said, it's a guinea pig. This is a total guinea pig experiment for the NCAA, and I like it. It's it's a step in the right direction, but like I said, it's I know a lot of people are gonna look at this, and I've already seen uh, circulating through Twitter on mm-hmm. the sports media that this is might be the beginning of the end for the NCAA as we know oh, it. Of as course, this, yeah. this well, it's still gonna be a money money driven corporation but mm-hmm. it just once again how do you define amateurism we spent right and i think it's more than i think it's specifically going to be college basketball because that's a troubling one right now where you see these other leagues i think the ncaa did this in pressure of lavar ball's league i forgot what it's called the junior baller league or whatever that he just opened up and started Wait, was it the bb league the big baller league no it's not the big no? baller league it's the it's like a jbl or something like that and then there's also the D League that says in the future, the near future, that they hope to allow high schoolers to go right into the D or the, the new G League, it's called the Gatorade League, um, yeah. and get drafted right into that instead of college kind of being well. When you're a high school basketball player, the two options were kind of going to college and you know playing one year or two years or however long you need, to, and then going to the NBA or going the international route, which we've seen players like Brandon Jennings do, and um, I forget the player from. Australia last year, but we've seen a couple players take that route too. And instead of just having those two options, now there's more options. So I think the NCAA is trying to expand their rules and make it more player friendly. So they're not going to lose that. And like I said, just a minute ago, I think they are going to be a fear of that NCAA, especially college basketball as we know it could be a chance in the future that it will be, you know, no more. 
Very interesting. And let me ask you, with this addition of a G League, with the maybe expansion of a D League or, you know, refining the D League and international, do you think that potentially has a trickle-down effect to the NBA and maybe better uh, better competition? You know, right now the whole issue is, and a lot of gripes with a lot of NBA fans is we already know who the champion is mm -hmm. in July or June. There's almost no point in watching the regular season, and there's almost even less of incentive incentive, excuse me, to watch the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Does something like this that allows players to maybe go through a minor league system, uh, refine their skills, get better, and then when, when they're finally ready to make that next jump and they finally are in the big NBA, do you think that potentially has a, a chance to kind of almost like a farm system? Look at baseball. Right. It's uh, That'd be the perfect example. Baseball teams can say that. spend years refining and they might tank, they might tank, and then you know, take take the Braves or the Phillies. Or you know? Houston Astros. Yeah, it's just, just the World Series so winners last year. Do you foresee that maybe having an effect on a team such like the Timberwolves, maybe mm -hmm. like the the not the Utah Jazz, but the uh, New Orleans Pelicans? You know, like teams yes. that haven't been typically good, but now this could potentially provide for them a source of players and you know assets to trade and move around. Right. I think any sort of kind of any sort of developmental league like we see in the minor league system and baseball is going to be beneficial for any sport, particularly basketball, because a lot of these superstars, let's just take Brandon Ingram, for example, or even Lonzo Ball on the Lakers here down the street. They both played one year of college basketball and the college basketball is, is a very different game, right? You know, they go from high school right into college. It's a different game, but they get kind of used to that, but they only play one season, right? And then they go to the pros and the, the jump from college to pros is sometimes more than a lot of players can handle. And we, I don't want to say Lonzo Ball struggled immensely, but he did look at times very rough out there, and he didn't ha look himself, at least what we saw in college and a lot of players. Not a lot of players, but a lot of analysts were maybe disappointed to see not as much as they thought they were going to see from Lonzo. And the same thing we could say about Brandon Ingham's rookie year. And a lot of these players are coming out of college. You know, they're superstar college players, but then that doesn't necessarily translate. I mean, very rarely do you see now a rookie kind of just tear it up year one in the NBA. And if you do, it's just a handful of occasions here or there. There's a lot of good basketball players in the NBA, but as far as evening out the talent, you said, I think the minor league system or the G League system, whatever they develop, um, the developmental league will help kind of even out and, and allow for more great players to emerge from the developmental leagues and kind of, because like I said, I think there's only, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good NBA players in the league. There's only a handful of great players and then, you know, even smaller amount of elite players. And I think, obviously, teams suffer because of that, you know, whether it's the Grizzlies, the Knicks, or whatever. There's not a much talent to go around as far as, you know. And, and the old G League or the old D League or whatever it was called, it wasn't, it wasn't so much as a developmental league. It was kind of like, hey, you know, you're, you're starting to play with us and, uh, you know, play your hearts out or kind of, you know, show off what you got. But it wasn't as far as a developmental league as it is that they're pushing for now right should be exciting times and it's i it, yeah it should, it should be exciting times to see and it's it's for somebody as such as myself that doesn't follow the nba as much i think i'd be a little more inclined to follow if i knew that hey more teams are getting a fair shake at these really good college athletes that maybe they realize maybe their agents are going hey kid look you you knocked it out you, you went to creighton you knocked it out your division you guys won the tournament mm -hmm. you did great I'm going to tell you right now, you're not ready for the, the big league. Yes. And I think that potentially, you know, you could take a player from one of these small schools and go, hey, you might not be ready for the big leagues, but you could tear it up in the G League. You could tear it up in the D League, and you're going to turn heads mm -hmm. and the potential to kind of move up in the farm system. I think that would be very exciting. And like we said, it would allow for some big overhauls, and it would make trades, I think, a little more exciting. 
I mean, still got to take into effect cap size and mm -hmm. all the finances behind it. Obviously. But in the essence of trade, you know, think in baseball. It's so many times as well. If you give me so much of your prospects, I'll give you some of mine. Bam, star-studded stars yes, are being yeah. traded. That could really change the NBA landscape of in a course, sense of yeah. what if, what, let's say, t talk potential or not not potential, but like what if in an alternate or alternate universe, you know, a Steph Curry is, is traded for a handful of really good prospects. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just I think it could spice it up and it could it could give the NBA fans the change they've kind of been wanting. Because I feel a lot of NBA fans are kind of like we're, we're waiting for something new. Mm -hmm. And I think the LeBron move or in, in, of recent, just to tie this up nicely, the, the LeBron move to L.A. was that change. But ultimately, I, I still think the league as a whole is still looking for something to drastically change it. That's yeah. going to make it more. It's going to give parity in the competition. Right. And this has the potential to do so. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Like you said earlier, it's going to be the guinea pig. The NCAA, yes. college basketball, this is the guinea pig. And these new rules, I don't think they take an effect until 2019. So we have to wait a season for this to take in place. But like I said, we all, I think a lot of these steps, especially the returning to school, it's a step in the right direction. And a lot. And for once, I'm not going to bash the NCAA. Usually I'm vehemently <laughs> against the NCAA and everything they stand for. But for once, I think Mark Emery and, and company and Condoleezza Rice, who mm -hmm. was on the first college football playoff selection committee, mm -hmm. she, uh, I think they did a great job. And like I said, the future looks bright as of right now. But unfortunately, while the future may look bright, the past might be a little dark. And we're starting to see that at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. um, Urban Meyer and company has something unexpectedly, at least for me and many other fans such as yourself, Urban Meyer, we thought, was a man of character, and it's come out that maybe he isn't, and that scandal is yeah. currently developing as we speak. And if you haven't heard already, Urban Meyer's assistant coach at Ohio State, Zach Smith, was accused of uh, abusing his wife. In 2009 and 2015, um, Urban Meyer uh, elected to – or he said that he did not have any knowledge of the situation. And then, um, of course, when this uh, investigation popped up, he fired Zach Smith. Which kind of made the whole thing a little skeptical, and then he said he did know of the 2009 scandal um, while he was at Florida. So it's just kind of a – it's a very similar situation to what Joe Paterno had, what was it, two years ago in 2016? I want to say longer. But this, it's a very oh, similar yeah, – yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a similar exactly. situation. And the fact that the question now is whether or not the head coach, Urban Meyer, you know, and, and in college football – the head coach is kind of this all-knowing person. They're almost more powerful than the athletic director. They at this should point. be. And they should, should be. be. Should be right. And so they need to be held accountable if they know about these uh, cases like such as this. And they refuse, not refuse, but they did not do anything about it. And that's what we saw Joe Paterno get in trouble for. Our Bryles at mm -hmm. Baylor. Our Bryles at Baylor, and now Urban Meyer is a new suspect at Ohio State. Um, obviously, this was kind of a bomb dropped on the college football world because I, I know last week. We were talking about doing a little bit of college football preview. Yeah, and I would have had Ohio State right in the mix, but now with exactly. this, I this is a big distraction, and this isn't an Ezekiel Elliott esque mm -hmm. distraction. This is has the potential to wreck Ohio State because, as you said, the NCAA, it, well, any league, they they want to clean up their image. You don't want to have an image of oh they house abusers and and white right. beaters, but with as you said, you know, if you're Urban Meyer, you ought to know what's going on in your program. I, I've never bought the I didn't know, no one told me. No, you're the head coach of a big Division One program mm -hmm. that has a multi-billion dollar deal with TV companies. You you had to have known something. And there are whispers from the reporting of Brett McMurphy, who's done an exceptional job, mm -hmm. uh, that there were whispers from Courtney Smith, Zach Smith's wife, back in 2009 while he was at Florida, that she told Urban Meyer's wife, 
We don't know if Urban Meyer's wife told him, but that's whispers like that always find a way up the grapevine. That's, right. You heard it through the grapevine. So Urban Meyer must have had some inkling of information. But even so, in the Big Ten media days, you know, he went out and said, "Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't know about this." Brent McMurphy releases the text messages between Zach Smith and Courtney Smith, and she basically said, "Like, you choked me on our vacation in yes. Cancun. Like, that's not okay. Like, you're apologizing, but you're still not." You're not a different man, basically. Right, he was yes. trying to say he was, and then Urban Meyer released the statement. So it looks bad already for him. Right, and now he's on paid administrative leave yeah. as the you know fall camp opens, and they're gonna be starting their game soon. What in the next three weeks, two or three, three weeks? weeks. Out. So, but like, like I said, it's a huge bombshell on not only Urban Meyer but Ohio State, the football team, and obviously the program because we're talking about it off the air. It could be a clean house situation, kind of like we saw at Paterno. In Penn State, where you know the whole coaching staff is gone, and it's kind of a new po- coaching staff, and who knows if they're going to be receiving any sort of ban, postseason ban. Uh, yeah, and it's just a, it's a very, like you said, it's a gloomy topic to talk about, but it's something that's very, it, it's very newsworthy, and it's very something that we have to talk about. Well, absolutely, and on 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 that topic too, you know, it's it's important to see how the NCAA handles these kinds of things because there needs to be a precedent set for instances like this. We, we saw with Paterno, basically it was clean house. They got, what, a two-year two three-year scholarship? Postseason ban. Well, postseason ban, then all those three years they also had scholarships removed. Mm-hmm. And also Baylor. Baylor got it pretty bad too, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of scholarships removed as well. And then a postseason – yeah, last year was, postseason yeah. ban. And then also with Michigan State with Larry Nassar, and that mm-hmm. was the gym, which was terrible. We're not going to dive into that. But Michigan State had a clean house as well. And I think it's it's good. And we talked about the beginning of the show with the NCAA holding the athletic directors and the presidents accountable. Mm-hmm. That's good too because there are – it is very easy for the – not even the athletic director because he's tied to athletics. So even say the president. It would be very easy for the president of the school to say, hey, you know what? I didn't know about this. This is – I wouldn't say out of my pay grade, but you know, this isn't my area. You didn't hire right. me to run right. the athletics. But if you're the, if you're the CEO of a, of a company – you're you're gonna know if some shady business is going down. Mm-hmm. If you're the boss of a small company, you're gonna know what's happening. So essentially, the chain of command, somebody knows, right. and they make a lot of money, man, a lot mm-hmm. of money to go whistleblow. I don't yes. know. I don't know if that's exactly in their best interest. And I don't want to paint anybody as a villain because I don't know if the Ohio State president knew. I don't know if the athletic director knows. But I find it very hard that if you're running a program, I find it very hard that stuff like this flies under the radar because especially exactly. with a lot of, with the Me Too movement and women really empowering themselves and stepping up and holding men and everybody accountable, it a lot of noise will be made. Mm-hmm. And for the presidents and the athletic directors to to say that they didn't know, ignorance is not bliss and I don't buy that at all. So I like that and I think it's good to hold them accountable. So now as far as Urban Meyer's standpoint, it's looking more than likely that he'll be getting fired or he'll be stepping down from his position at Ohio State because very rarely do you see Head coaches or people in this type of situation kind of walk away unscathed and with their job still. Um, and so it kind of looks like his college, if he does get where to get fired and if he were to step down from his position at Ohio State, looks like his college coaching career is possibly done. But do you see a chance of him making a shot at the NFL, maybe similar to Pete Carroll after he left USC and kind of in their rut when they had their scholarship and postseason ban? No, I do not. Because really? the NFL has been cracking down a lot on cleaning up their image with players and this coaches alike on domestic issue and domestic violence. And granted, Urban Meyer wasn't the one hitting. You know, he didn't hit Courtney Smith. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Do you know? I'm not gonna incriminate anybody, but 
he knew. And that's to allow something like that to fester. That's how worse things happen. You know, yeah, that's how worse things happen. And I do not foresee the NFL wanting to take a chance. And especially look at look at just the landscape of the NFL right now. Yeah. Everybody, they can't even decide whether or not they can allow their players to sit or kneel yeah. for the national anthem. You think a they fan? Want I mean, someone like Urban Meyer, kind yeah, of with that record. Yeah, yeah. and you you're already starting to see protests outside of Urban Meyer's house from feminist right. groups, and it's just it's bad. And I don't think the NFL needs another bad publicity headline. They've they've already mm-hmm. had too much in the last year and a half. I, I just don't foresee. I think his coaching career is over. I, I hate to say it. He he did some wonderful things with the Florida and Ohio State program, but mm-hmm. I just don't foresee it. What do you think? Sadly, I I think you know there's gonna be maybe it won't be right away. It'll be a couple of years. I I could see maybe one team or a couple of teams interested in maybe giving him a shot, just because I think obviously what he did or what he may have known is more severe than the recruiting thing that Pete Carroll wasn't part of in USC. But in the same way, USC or Pete Carroll left USC in kind of shambles and <laughs> yeah. and and they were devastated from it. But he still. You know, even with that, honestly, like you said, he didn't have that taint on his record. But there was a little, you know, a little gray cloud kind of hanging over him as a coach. And when he still made it to the NFL, then he had that such a great success early on with the Seahawks. I think that kind of changed a lot of people's perspective on Pete Carroll as a person and as a coach. So, I mean, I think Urban Meyer may get that chance. I say maybe in three to four years if, you know, if he's willing to take that type of break. I don't think it'll be right away. But I think NFL teams are always looking for coaches because – they're very few and hard to come by. So I think I think he does get a shot. But like I said, I don't think in the college. I think, like you said, college coaching career probably is done. And and it's kind of sad. He was one of the better college coaches. But unfortunately, you know, you reap just what like you your Carl Turner, yeah, you reap what you sow. Well, moving on to much better and happier news. And for those of you that like listening to music, which we all do, three albums were dropped last Friday. Three highly anticipated albums, mm-hmm. mind you. Mac Miller, YG, and of course... Uh, Travis Scott almost forgot his name. Almost said Scott Frost, <laughs> the head coach. Yeah, at Nebraska. Um, Travis Scott. So of those three, I there's there was a lot of hype surrounding the YG album, especially God. I almost stay every dangerous. Other, yeah, God. Almost every other. Tweet. We're in SoCal. I mean, of course, there's gonna be a lot of hype yeah, around. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. And Travis Scott. Well, Travis Scott fans are very loyal, and <laughs> they they were touting his business. But of the three, you and I, we share the commonality. And having listened to the Mac Miller album, the other two aren't really my cup of tea. I gotta say. I thoroughly enjoyed Swimming by Mac Miller. I thought it was an I thought it was an exceptional follow-up from the Divine Feminine, which mm-hmm. I thought was a awesome album to begin with, a very soothing album, you know, it's a very chill vibe, and I felt Swimming had that. It was mm-hmm. very throw it on, Sunday barbecue, you chill, you relax, have a few beers and you just you rela- and enjoy the music. And I felt that's what that album was, and it was just a nice compliment. If you listened to both albums back to back, I think you you probably couldn't tell the differences. See and I, I see for me that's interesting because I can see the differences. I think they're both very melodically the same, you know, instrumentals wise. He, he's he's changed the styles and and both those two albums are very similar in Divine Feminine and, and Swimming. But in Divine Feminine, it's a little bit you know he had his relationship with Ariana Grande, Ariana Grande and it seemed like the the mood was a little bit more cheerful, a little bit more. It was a little bit more intimate, you know, it was a little bit more love, um, and you could tell he was in love or. Uh, he was, you know, feeling some sort of way, we can say. And obviously, there's, I'm not going to say the whole album of the swimming is very uh, down or depressing, but there's definitely some songs where it kind of gets deep, and it maybe some some references are to the Ariana Grande, Grande and his breakup with her, and etc. But some of the songs are just also just kind of like deep and realizing, 
while I think a lot of it has the same tone or same melodical tone, it has the same melody, whatever I'm trying to say. The tone in it is very noticeably a little bit more, a little bit more gloomier in some of the songs in Swimming, because I think some of those songs, I mean, woof, like a little heavy, like 2009 or uh, mm, yeah, I... 2009 is a very heavy song, and I, I'll pull up some of the other track lists right now. But there was a few, there was a few heavy songs on that album where I was like, woof, like Mac Miller, you you, you got me. I have yeah. not given swimming a second listen through yet as i typically to do i like to give albums two listens through mm -hmm. uh but i did read somewhere because i like you know i like to read backgrounds on you know songs and albums i did read that the divine feminine is not only about his relationship with ariana grande but there are a few tracks and songs that are supposed to be representative of girls that have taught him different things in his life and yes. showed him different things about love and, and just life in general so right. i think maybe that coincides why that album is a little more airy and Kind of lovey-dovey, you know, a lot of more upbeat in comparison to. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't see it gloomy, so I think that's a. It's different not, like take. I said, not the whole thing is gloomy, but like songs like "Hurt Feelings" and "2009" and and a little bit of self-care, where it's just a okay. little bit more deep, and you could see Mac Miller kind of opening, really opening and and opening some like hurtful demons that were inside. Not hurtful demons, but. He's he's you know he's really a lot of personal. He's demons. releasing and he's releasing a lot of personal stuff. And some of that stuff can be seen as saddened. I mean, I was listening to the other day in my car with a friend, and we're both like, man, you know, Mac really just kind of, you know, Mac just hit, you know, Mac's hitting, like, some spots right now. You know, he's, he's in the fields, as a lot of people would say, as these young kids would say. <laughs> the youngins. But I, I think it's not a huge tone. Like, you're not far off to say that these two albums, Divine Feminine and Swimming, are totally different. I just think the mood in some of these songs, obviously, in Swimming – a little bit more real, a little bit more, but a little bit more. Would you say down to earth? Down to earth, but also you know a little bit. There's a little bit of sorrow in it. I think you could taste it. Like you could see Max a little bit. His mood has changed. You know. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we're both in agreement that we both liked. It. Yes. So that's... phenomenal album. I think you know top five album probably of this year up to this point. Maybe. Oh, I was about to say, geez, that's a that's a bold move, Cotton. Of this year, of this okay. year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I still like Divine Feminine a little bit more. Okay. Divine Feminine. Me too. Divine. Honestly, okay, me too. Honestly, the Divine Feminine is just the like, Divine Feminine. That was you know? a jam, you know? Of course, was, but ooh. two more artists also released albums, and I have no listening whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> a few songs here and there, but I, I haven't listened to it entirely. Tell me what you think of those works from Travis Scott and YG. Well, I'm not too big of a Travis Scott fan. and Most people aren't. <laughs> most people aren't. But it was a decent album. I liked his last album, Burns in the Trap, Sing Like Night. Compared to you know his last album, I didn't think it was as strong. He has a couple good songs in there. I think like his first four tracks are probably some of his more notable tracks, and then the rest of the album is, is like I said, it's very top heavy. You know the first four tracks are pretty good. You have a feature from Drake in there. You have a feature from yeah, everyone was Frank Ocean. Over there. I was more swooning over the the feature with Frank Ocean. I believe he has a feature with Kid Cudi in there as well. Um, but then the rest of the tracks are just kind of like eh, it's just typical. It sounds very similar to his old stuff, and it just. It seemed like there wasn't a lot of mixture or a lot of where Mac Miller kind of experiments with his new sound. Travis Scott kind of just sticks to what he knows and, you know, so very it's much, not bad, but it's just a, to me, it's just an average album because I've never been a huge fan of his. So I, I, I would give it a C plus. It's, it's a decent listen, but nothing I would craze over. And as far as YG Stay Dangerous, I think he went back to his, you know, his hood rat days, his suwu days back in, you know, Bopton. Because... Um, from what we saw in Still Brazy, he was a little, he went a little bit more pop, you know, he had more, 
radio hit songs. I don't want to say radio hit songs because it wasn't all that, but he had some of those on his Outlast album. And this album, it seemed like he went more back to the streets, more to his roots, which isn't bad. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. It just wasn't my cup of tea. And uh, I guess it was a little hard for my liking. It was a good album, but again, nothing to craze over. Just like of the three, I told you already off the uh, off the air before the show, I think I like Swimming more of the three. And I was a little surprised. I was looking forward to that uh, Stay Dangerous album by YG, and it just it wasn't my cup of tea. I don't know. Well, you know what? That's that's fair enough. And I do want to ask you a question. Just I'm not going to put you on the spot because we didn't really have time to make a list or anything, but what do you think are some of the better albums that have been released up until this point? Six months in? Yeah, six months in? Eight months in. Jeez, Damn, geez, I can't. <laughs> What's wrong with this? Eight um, months in. I... For me, I'll, I'll lead it off because I asked. For me, undoubtedly, KOD. Mm-hmm. KOD made me break my Twitter. I, I, yes. was, I you said were... I was going to go off of Twitter for a while, you know, and just, you know, cleanse. And you lasted, what, two days? Yeah, and then that album dropped. And I was <laughs> like, I got to shit. Like, I got to let people know. It was a yeah. fantastic album. Uh, Bet, I think better than that album was the Black Panther soundtrack album. That's, oh. It's kind. Of, it's kind of not like one particular artist because there were so many artists on it. No, that's a fantastic. That's but a that was I compilation say, of compi- some great talents. Yes, that was a huge. Like Kendrick Lamar and TDE yes. did a wonderful job producing that album, and you know we had people like uh, Majid Jordan on there, and uh, or not uh, Khalid, sorry, uh, Absol, Anderson Park. There was so many Vince Staples. There were so many different artists on that album. Uh, it was a really great album. KOD is another one that I put up there. Um, J Rocks. I don't know if you've heard of J Rocks last say. album. I've dropped. I've drawn a blank on the name right now. But uh, also, let's see. For me, it's oh, swimming, swimming's on there. So three already. Uh, Kod, Kod, the the Black Panther soundtrack, which I really thoroughly do enjoy, and I find myself listening to it more than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. And then swimming, swimming, as we just discussed. And also for the fourth, and I I don't know if you have heard, but the Growlers actually released. Kind of like a collection of their like LPs and singles. Uh-huh. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a. I don't know. I'm waiting for a full Growlers album to be released. But as far as hip hop, I think like I said, J Rock's The Redemption, his album was very good. And then Nas's album, Nasir, uh, he did a collab project with Kanye. And I think I was I was so surprised because I thought Nas and Kanye that wasn't going to be a very good collab on the album. But it was really good. I I, I like that. I I thoroughly enjoyed that album. Kanye's album was decent. I was about to say, I totally forgot about his album. I thought that was... It was deep. It was deep. Kind of like Mac Miller. It was interesting. I'll say, I'll put it to you that way. There are some songs that I really did enjoy, and then there were times where I was like, I don't know what I'm really listening to here, and I'm going to skip it, because I don't feel like putting my ears through this nonsense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So, overall, it's... uh, Ooh, Nipsey Hussle. Nipsey Hussle's album was probably the most underrated album of this year. You know what we ought to do? Come January, uh-huh. when we're making our show, we should probably... December, actually. December, yeah, actually. Yeah. Compile a list of just albums that we felt went underrated. Why are we discussing ideas on the show? We'll get back. <laughs> we'll get back to you on that. But I think that concludes today's show. We had a nice conversation. We had to touch on some of the bad, but I think there was more good on today's show than the bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, your joke being one of the bads. <laughs> oh, no. you got jokes, my friend. Yeah. I'll come back with a better one next week, I promise. But nonetheless, you are listening to episode... 20 slash 19. That's another thing we wanted to talk about. Last week we labeled it as episode 20. Turns out it was episode 19, so this is episode 20, but I need to avoid confusion, right? Just we're going to guess call it episode 19. Point five. Uh, point five. 19 and a half? Yeah, it works. If you haven't done so already, follow us on SoundCloud. Share, like us, you know, show us to your friends. And uh, yeah, keep following us on Twitter and, you know. Share the Podfathers podcast, please. Mm-hmm. And, stay, yeah, and stay dangerous. 
stay dangerous. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend.